Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Paul? Big one. Big one. Big day. Big day. 100, man. 100. 100th episode. Today? When I came, this episode. When I came to you, whatever that would have been. Well, that's almost three years, man. Is it two yeah. years? Yeah, two and a half. 52 years. weeks. Two, year. man, two and a half years. Like, hey, I got this idea. You want to do a podcast? You're like, hell yeah, I do. Yeah, let's do it. God, what a... We didn't know what we were doing then. Still don't. I still question if we know what we're doing now. Still don't. No idea. Because, as we sat here for the last, I don't know, almost hour. Trying to figure out the audio. Dicking with the audio and headsets. Listen, Kurt, I know you're listening. We're trying our best. You'd think that after 100 episodes, we'd have have this figured out. We're just dumb. That's what it is. That's not my thing, dude. I can barely figure out Instagram, let alone how to audio tune and stereo and i don't this might not even come through right like one of the problems we're having today is when we record it it goes into one headphone and not into the other and i'm sure there's a listener out there be like you idiots it's mono not stereo or stereo not mono but i don't know how to work this we're in we're in my office which we've never it's our second show couple times second or third show down here new setup we're trying to figure it out we're running on skeleton crew here man (laughs) (laughs) our it department is is off this week Hundred hundred episodes. Thanks to you guys for listening to the show every week, man. Really, uh, <laughs> really appreciate it. We got a good one today. It's a great episode. It's a great episode. You guys are, are really, really going to enjoy it. It, it. Uh, we set it up. We wanted to have uh, friend of the program Tony Peterson and the, the chief of the Empire Sports and Empire, Mr. Dan Johnson. They're a dynamic duo, man. Die. Did you listen to them on uh, the Wired to Hunt podcast? Hilarious. Just roast oh. Mark Kenyon. They, well, Tony talks about that in this in this podcast with us. Oh. I haven't listened to it yet. Is it hilarious? It is amazing. So we wanted both of those guys to get to get on the show, and we were going to talk. Like, so we talk about all about controversial or somewhat controversial topics within the world of hunting, but, but in like a fun, lighthearted manner, right? And Dan, Dan gets super passionate about all sorts of stuff and gets fired up real easy. And and Tony is a consummate professional, man. That guy is is even-tempered and even-keel, I think, as anybody on the face of the planet and has a really good perspective. So we wanted to get Dan all whipped up. Old Nine Fingers didn't show up to the podcast. So yeah, he, had, he got stood up, man. Uh, he, who, who knows what the hell he had. I thought it would be an so. honor to be on somebody's 100th episode. Yeah, but he probably had another kid or something in the process. So. <laughs> he probably did. So. Oh, nine fingers, nine kids. So that's a that's a show. So we've got. What do you want to start with, man? Well, first of all, let's talk about our partners because yeah. we've we wouldn't get be doing what we're doing if we didn't have partners. Like, yeah. and I, you know, we're still a bunch of schmuck, a couple of schmucks that are just sitting in the basement recording a thing. We like to talk about hunting, outdoors, all that kind of stuff. 
but partners have given us the opportunity to go and travel and do different things like the BHA event and send it slam and ATA and and kind of get you guys some more content and meet new people and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, we really appreciate them. Uh, we're talking about X vision, go wild, uh, half Half rack, rack. Midwest Gunworks, Blackgate cameras, timber ninja, uh, first light. Like these are, these are the guys that are, are helping us a lot. So, uh, one of the things we talked to them about was getting some some gear to to give away for the hundredth episode. Yeah, because uh, I've got a few things going on in life right now. I did not get that Instagram post put up yet or go wild post. But what we're gonna do? We decided, on, and as soon as we get done recording this intro, we're gonna record that. Paul, don't let me. Oh yeah, up. we're gonna put a post up. I'll put it on Instagram, but more importantly, I put it on Go Wild. Okay, and it's gonna be you know like this post. Uh, whatever standard, right? Standard. The standard operating that, uh, that everyone else. I'm going to tag all of our partners in it. Yeah. Okay. You need to go and follow them. All right. On those uh, different avenues or different platforms. We'll randomly draw for next week's show. Whoever's liked it, you're in, right? But you also got to like, you know, say X vision, X Vision's given us a range finder to give away. Yeah. So there we go. Um, That's a good deal. Good deal. What do, we, what do we got? What's all of our gifts? Half rack. Meat lug, buddy. Oh, man, we're sitting looking at one right now. So cool. Uh, we got Timber, or Timber Ninja is going to give us a little kind of party pack, some analgene and some different things. Uh, we've Shirts, got probably stickers. Yeah, yeah they get yeah. a good, good thing. Uh, we've got, uh, which one was I just talking about? We've got Half Rack, Timber Ninja. Half Rack, Timber Ninja. Um, X-Vision, given the range yep, finder. Range finder. Blackgate. Uh, Blackgate's given a camera. Yep. So I think it's RG4 Lite, which... Dynamite. Dynamite. That's huge, huge, cool uh, product there. And then, oh. G-Dub. They all go wild. And our buddy Braden, he said uh, they're going to give us a $100 gift card. Yeah. Because it's 100th episode, so it only is fitting. There you go. And I told him the only way we'd accept that is if he autographed it. So uh, beware. We need your autograph on that on that gift card. That's a good pack, man. Oh, yeah. So we're going to do five five separate ones, though, right? Yeah. So, like, you guys, you know, it's not just one and done. We'll have five different winners. We'll announce those next week. So you got about a week to get on that post yeah. and, or so and uh, like those guys, follow them, all that kind of stuff. And then we'll have everything shipped out and about. So uh, thank you to all those partners. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we talk about them each week. Blackgate's cameras, we were introduced to those this year. Amazing, Legit. Ohio-based company. Like, yeah. I have three different brands of cameras that I get pictures from every day. I don't, I almost cringe when I look at a couple of the other ones because it's I, night and day. I, dude, I have to study that picture to find a damn animal in it. Yeah, let's feel like it's like uh, one these of those things kids are books. These things are they're legit. We can't talk. We can't. We, I mean, we can't say it enough. That the the tom the picture of the two toms that I had. Of course, of course, you've got pictures of turkeys. Yes. Oh man, you know it's funny. I was at I was at an NWTF board meeting, and someone was talking about. Oh, I have, you know, I put my cameras out in January, and I haven't got a single picture of a turkey. I'm like, well, you're in the wrong spot. Two minutes later, I swear to God, two minutes later, that picture pops up, and I laughed to myself. That I'm like, so oh funny. man. But yeah, those are beautiful, beautiful pictures, beautiful cameras. Yeah. Uh, half rack. Those guys got all kinds of fun stuff. This is the time of year. Get on there, find the stuff that you need. Uh, the little trinkets and stuff, um, and then this you get a code for Blackgate. It's O two podcast. O two podcast. I don't have my notes in front of me, Paul. You don't. You're a mess. So half dash rack dot com. Uh, it's Ohio Outdoors fifteen. Save yourself fifteen percent. 
the meat lug, I'm telling you, man, this thing is legit. You could probably fit inside of this thing. I mean, we're going to try tempt, later. Don't tempt me with a good time. Man, this thing is this thing is cool. Soft-sided cooler. You can fit an entire deboned freaking white-tailed deer in that thing. I, I, how many beers do you think you can fit in that 80. thing? 80. 80? I bet. It's definitely a couple cases. Oh, it's this thing. 30, yeah, this thing. We should, and so so here, here's what we'll do. We need to get listener participation, but we need to fill that thing with beer and then make a bet to see if the two of us can drink every beer out of that half-bread cooler. We could do spot. Well, that could do like a terrible idea. We could do spotted cows out of that if we just want to kill ourselves. <laughs> I mean, Wait, how about we got a time limit? <clears throat> yeah, we got a time limit. It's uh, one month, one Buckeye football game. No, no, you don't think so? Nope, nope. Not in oh. that. That thing's huge. One thing is huge. No, that's what she said. Nah. That's what she said. Uh, okay, boom. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, half dash rack dot com. I think you can find that on Go Wild. Um, so if you click on shop on Go Wild. I've been scheming, man, trying to find stuff that I need. Have you noticed this Squatch's Closet on the bottom? Yeah, I, I have seen it. Hilarious. I Love it. I clicked through it one time. I got some good stuff in there. So click on Squatch's Closet. Uh, they got an open box, Versa Cradle. They got some open box items in there. That's pretty cool. They got a Scott Jaws release. Just got one of those. This is neat, man. This is some open box, all new products, man. You talk about getting a deal. This is the spot. So, but if you want to check out uh, Timber Ninja products on Go Wild, you can. They've got all sorts of X Vision products. They've got optics. Dude, this place legit. Knives and tools. We're all gonna need good knives to be gutting some deer. So, time to go wild.com. Check out their app uh, for Android or Apple. Free social community platform. We're on there. Find us O2 Podcast. I'm on there. Paul Campbell. Uh, man. This is just, a, it's a great community. Great community. Everything for the hunter, angler, or outdoor enthusiast uh, in the state of Ohio. So, check them out. Yep. Then we got X-Vision Optics, uh, our friends <laughs> up there in Minnesota. And they are uh, your thermal and oh, night vision, imaging, all that kind of stuff. They get the range-finding binoculars. They got all, they got some really cool stuff, man. Really yeah. cool products. Website's pretty neat. Check those guys out. I need to get... Um, I need to get a I need to get a thermal scope, man, for that new six five Creedmoor I picked up from Midwest Gunworks. Midwest Gunworks. So check them out as well. Midwestgunworks.com. Uh use the code Ohio Outdoors Five. Outdoors five. Save yourself five percent. The parts finder. I talk about that every time we we, we we discuss them. That thing is that thing is neat, man. It is very intuitive. A ton of information on that website. Um, you can, you know, it's it's really good on the laptop. It's pretty decent on the mobile. I think it's easier on the laptop if you if you have that or a tablet. It's bigger. You can see some of these diagrams a little better. So, MidwestGunWorks.com. Thanks for the support of our show. Check them out. Uh, use their code if you're if you're in the mood or uh, in the need for a firearm, firearm accessories, and or parts for your firearm. They are the the place to go. Yep. And First Light just came out with their digital whitetail catalog. I saw some of that kind of stuff. Free shipping over $199, which is oh, very yeah. hard. It's that time. Start pull, pulling all that stuff together. I need to get into my closet and see what's in there or not in there. Uh, and that goes for all my gear, which I'm planning on doing tomorrow. Um, oh, yeah. Because if we're going to go out this weekend to the DSA. But um, so here's here's another, here's another one. There is um, our friends at the Backcountry uh, hunters and anglers on September 20th, they're having a pint night. 
This is a farm bill policy. Uh, pint night. The the birds and the bees. Pint night at Parsons North, presented by Onyx Maps. So thanks to Onyx for the support. Onyx, man, they do a great job of supporting a lot of conservation organizations. So this is going to be neat. There's going to be some folks from Pheasants Forever. Quell forever there. They're going to facilitate uh, a discussion pertaining to the farm bill and how it affects conservation uh, efforts uh, in Ohio and around the country. So this is one of those things. I They asked me to participate in this. I unfortunately had, had uh, uh, committed to another event, so I'm not going to be able to be there. But the farm bill, it's amazing the money for conservation that moves through the farm bill that we have that we just don't we just don't know about. Because it is so big, it's with you know the omnibus bills, you know I mean you freaking million pages. Um, this is there's some really smart folks that have a really good understanding and handle <clears throat> of of policy issues like this at the national level and and especially the state level. So um, this is this is going to be a really neat event. So get on backcountryhunters.org, click on events, click on you know, put your zip code in, put Ohio in, and go to the Ohio chapter. Uh, you can email Tony Ruffing at aruffing at iCloud.com for more information. That is Parsons North Brewing on September 20th. It's a Wednesday. It's 6 to 9 p.m. Pint Nights, man, this is their thing. These are a lot of fun. So uh, check them out. There's going to be some really good – there's going to be a robust discussion uh, and conversation about conservation and, and farm bill policy. So pretty neat stuff. Good stuff, man. Uh, I think the last of uh, our partners – well – Oh, man, I hope I'm not forgetting anything. Again, don't have my notes in front of me. My apologies. Um, Timber Ninja, we got uh, packages in the mail the other day, Paul. Sitting sitting right there in front of us. This thing, man, I, I picked up the ultimate. Uh, Which one was the one you got, the black belt? No, so I got the, the, so the, the, the black belt. So I got the ultimate, which is like a two. It's a two-panel saddle, um, which is it's, it's different than what I had before. Uh Dude, this thing is legit, man. I I'm I am very excited to get in this thing. I've I've just hung in the pine tree in my backyard because that's all I've got. Um, but the construction is great. It's it's super comfortable and it's it's incredibly lightweight. I will say that. So uh, I, really looking forward to this. I love the bags. I love the color. Man, it just and what's neat? It's made in America, right? Like. I mean, it's it's cool to know the people that are making these products, and yeah. I think that's I think that's pretty cool. I couldn't be more proud of uh, Jason and 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 Hotch and all those guys and and Bo, you know, with what they've they've built down there. So yeah, and I got the Nano, and it's a it's a little bit more um, it's a little different than yours, but that thing, man, it, you don't even know it's on you. It's so stinking. Light. That thing's pretty neat, man. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I got to try that out too. Again, another yeah. thing I need to get in. Into. Yeah, it's it's. It's funny, man. Like I, I, I picked up, I picked up yours. I was like, I would probably have gotten this one again. I should have given it more because I see nano or I see something small. Like I'm like, man, it's not going to fit me. Like it's just, but it, I think, it, I think it would. Yeah. I do like this though. This thing's, this is a hell of a product right here. Yeah. It looks, and it's super durable feeling like it. Yeah. You just know it's been well thought out. Jason doesn't mess around. Yeah. When he's designing stuff. There's and, all these little, like I keep looking at all these little things. I'm like, man, that is like. It's well, well thought that's out. That's really, that's really smart. Yeah. There's yeah. some cool stuff on this thing. I'm excited to get into it. I need to get some of their sticks coming my way. So, yeah. So, thanks to those guys. TimberNinjaOutdoors.com. Use the code O-H-I-O for free shipping. Correct. So, all right, Paul. A couple news stories from around the town. Oh, what do we got? Around the town, around the state. Lake Laramie State Park celebrates their 41st fall festival. 
So um, the Ohio Department of Natural Resources invites everyone to Lake Laramie State Park for the annual fall festival uh, camp out. So this is out at, um, obviously at Lake Laramie State Park. Been to this before, and it's pretty cool. Uh, lots of mums and crafts and all that kind of stuff, but it's outside. Lots of fun for the kids. Okay. Um, good things going on there, and they've been doing it for 41 years, so it's obviously successful. Yeah, you got something happening. All right, so for um, I'm just going to go ahead and basically read this article. Maybe I'm not. It's pretty long. Um, all right, additional deer hunting and CWD testing in Hardin, Marion, and Wyandotte counties. Um Hunters in those counties have additional opportunities to harvest white-tailed deer. Uh, as the ODNR Division of Wildlife continues to monitor for CWD in the region, chronic wasting disease, right? So since the fall of 2020, we've had 23 deer in Ohio have tested positive for CWD. All of them are in Marion and Wyandotte counties. Um, the disease surveillance area, or the DSA, is, was established in 2021 uh, and remains in effect. CWD... Um, affects deer and other similar species. No evidence that a CWD can spread to humans, pets, or livestock. Um, so let's just be, let's read this. Division of Wildlife established earlier hunting seasons within the disease surveillance area to slow the spread of CWD by reducing deer numbers before the breeding season. So the archery hunting season has begun up there. It started on September 9th. Um, there's going to be an early gun season that opens October 7th and goes to Monday, October 9th. So CWD sampling is required for all deer harvested within the DSA during that October 7th and 9th gun season, November 4th and 5th, and November 11th and 12th, as well as during the entire seven-day gun season. So that's required. So CWD sampling is required for deer, all deer harvested within those dates. Uh, staffed sampling locations will be available during the seven day gun season at the addresses below. Okay, there's a handful of addresses. New Blo Bloomington, uh, Harpster, Upper Sandusky, Marion, Kenton, and Ada. Um, outside the seven day gun season, hunters should use the self-serve kiosks for mandatory sampling or for free voluntary sampling throughout the deer season. September 9th to February 4th. Uh, kiosk locations are available at ohiodnr.gov slash CWD. Um, instructions for sample submission will be provided at the kiosks. Successful hunters are not required to surrender their deer. Those with questions on having their deer sampled can call 419-429-8322. All right, so there's a lot in here, right? And there's there's some intricacies in the law and when you have to have things sampled mandatory, when you can uh, do it voluntarily. So I would suggest, if you have any questions, to visit ohiodnr.gov slash CWD. Uh, and I think you, you can probably find everything you want there as far as that goes. So. They do a good job with, uh, with explaining that and, and, and talking about the rules. So, yeah, definitely uh, definitely dive into that. What else? What else we got in the, the world of news? That's all I got, man. Nothing. So, see here. We're just, what, two weeks away? Statewide opener, man. Two and a half weeks. Yeah. Archery. Yeah, it's coming quick. Um, beans are starting to turn. So, yeah. I think you're going to start seeing deer patterns change a little bit. 
cameras have been lighting up a little bit more. I think the cooler temperatures have helped. <coughs> and this is my novice moron um, just observations. But yeah, it's that time of year, and they're going to start hiding in the corn. <laughs> That's it. You won't be able to find them. But, oh, um, man, you ready, dude? I, I know I know everyone everyone is ready. Like, I'm ready to hang from a tree and, and shoot some stuff. I'm ready to do some fall turkey hunting, going to the UP. I'm ready. I'm, I am. Uh, I need, I was shooting, did a lot of shooting this week um, just to make sure everything was really zeroed in and seems like we're on. We're feeling, on right. feeling confident? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I need my body to hold up, man. I'm falling apart. You are falling Shoulders, apart. Shoulders, elbows, are. knees, everything. Yeah, but we both are. Getting old. Um, but, yeah, I think I need to do a little bit of gear checking, and if we get out and hang out and yeah. get get the – you got to get the kinks worked out, right? You don't want to – you don't just dive into, you know, a playoff game. You got to – you don't just dive into the rut. You need to, like, get out kind of go get used to the woods and how you're going to carry everything in again and all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a process for sure. Yeah. Process for sure. Especially for a schmuck like me that it's just not my, it's not my thing. You know, I I haven't done it as much as, as, as you the last couple of years. And and so I need to, you know, I I was in the groove last year, um, but I'm ready. You know, I, I, I bought a, I bought a new release and the one thing that I've noticed is the the position, my anchor position is different with this release, which I'm not, I, I like it much better. The release that I've had was super old. It was starting to just kind of like make some noises. And I'm like, eh, this thing might be, you know, breaking at any minute. But I noticed when my anchor point's different, that if I wasn't paying attention, if I was shooting a lot, I was, every once in a while, I would look over the peep site. Mm. And so when I did that, I was like, five yards off to the left of the target every time i'm like what is going on <clears throat> it took me excuse me it took me some time to, to to figure that out so anyway i'm looking forward to it man i'm ready i'm just man i i i've so september 15th which is in a few days fall turkey opens up in michigan so i got a tag for the up i'm gonna be doing that here soon so paul will be leaving us back to the what I love most, bird Shoot, bird. shooting turkeys. Oh man! Of course, you had to hijack some turkey conversation into this with Tony. I was, I was offended when he said turkey. Oh, dude, the look on your face was I would, hilarious. I don't get offended easily, but man, yeah, turkey hunting is not easy, at least in my book. But <laughs> it has questions. its, it has its moments. You know, it's, it's, uh, dude, there are guys like Tony Peterson that are just flat out stone cold killers. And it doesn't matter what it, what game animal it is. It doesn't matter where it's at. Yep. And I think that there, I think what it is, it's it's preparation, right? They're always prepared. They have everything. They have all the kinks worked out. Doesn't matter. First day of the season, last day of the season, any year. Preparation, and and just like that that I don't want to say like determination or, you know, they have a mindset that it's like I'm going to kill something. So I'm going to kill whatever it is that I'm that I'm pursuing today, and comfort and everything else be damned. And I'd add one more to that: yeah. the, they're woodsmen, like yeah. people like Tony. They know how to read the woods, and then yeah. I'm not. I mean, it's everything: it's thermals, it's topography, it's the sign, it's you know the geographic. You know what does Dan always say? Features, you know, terrain features, all that stuff food sources 
and they put it all together. Kind of reminds me of that that gif of the dude in um, uh, Hangover, Zach mm-hmm. Galifianakis, with all the like, numbers are like going all floating around, yeah. just like watching them. Rain Man, yeah. it, uh, you know, and it's. But I don't think that just comes to people. It's no, I don't t- think so. been working at it you for work a long time yeah. and learning, and you know, you see how that all comes comes together, and it comes down to spending time in the woods, man. So yeah. You know, it's it's neat, man, just, like, traveling around the country talking to different hunters, turkey hunters specifically. Some of the best just killers you don't even know about. They're just dudes. You know, they're guys that you – know, school teachers by day, you know, and in the spring they'd go out and they're just, like, just stone-cold woodsmen, man. And I, I, I love that. I love that stuff. So, Tony is for sure one of those dudes. Absolutely. So, um <laughs> But yeah, if if you're getting out, you know, I know the boys in Missouri, they're out west hunting. Yeah, elk. I saw that. Uh, there's other people. Did other, they see an elk this year? Last year, they didn't even see one, did they? Just a bottle of Rittenhouse or Micah. Oh, Micah, had a boy. Yeah, my but guy. I, I, you know what? I texted Nate today, and I didn't hear back from him. If they did, they ain't good out there. But, uh, but anyways, if anybody's out there, you know, good luck. Get out there and yeah, and, tag us in your pictures. We'll bring the O2 Hunt Camp back. Once we get this sucker rolling. So we got some good guests coming up. We're, we're going to try to set up something about just diving deep into thermals yep. in the state of Ohio here. We're going to have a, a master class on that. And just some of those, that early season scouting, man, we're going to, we're going to go full, full bore, not scouting early season hunting, you know, how to react. So yeah, that'll be neat. Get the tonk on. Okay, we got we got to talk to Tonk because you know can't yeah. have deer season without Tonk. Can't have deer season without Tonk. We're both coughing like crazy. I don't know what it is. Right, the vid man. Coco's back. Oh, get out of here. Why aren't you wearing a mask, Paul? All right. Um, so on that note, <laughs> thank, we, you yes, thank you for the everybody. support of our show. Thank you for for gutting it out through this interview or <laughs> for this intro, man. For a hundred episodes. We appreciate every one of you guys uh, listening to the show and all the support. And we, find we those it. posts, like them, find our our partners, like them, and uh, yeah, we'll pull some names next week. But the O two dot podcast on the Instagram, no the dot O two dot podcast. Oh, the dot O two dot podcast on the gram, and then O two podcast on Go Wild. Check both of those. What a day! Yeah, man. So appreciate Thanks. everybody. Take care. Good luck if you get out there in the woods. I, I like to go back and watch shit like with Ronnie. Is it Ronnie Bame? I mean that dude or Kevin Murphy. We met Kevin at an event earlier this year. I mean that like down to earth. Kevin's awesome. People, yeah. yeah. Kevin, he was hilarious. But um, anywho, so did anybody get a response from Dan? Oh, and I just checked too. <clears throat> so, what do you want to do? Do you want me to call him? Uh, yeah. If you don't, I mean, I. I Should we put him on the audio? I don't think he's going to answer. He hasn't checked that text yet. I don't know if I've ever done this. Let me see. I'm calling him right now. What we could do, 
is just start the podcast and talk a bunch of shit about him. And then if he calls in, we could, we could add him in later. That hell yeah. Let him plead his case. Yeah. So Tony, I don't, I don't know if you, if the, the idea with this was to address in a fun, non shitty way, like some of the, the controversies within the hunting world and it's it's we don't we, we don't want to do this to like to create like shitty sound bites right we don't want to get anyone in trouble we don't want to get um, canceled yeah some of these are just like you know just like it's it's hilarious how passionate and angry people get about some of these some of these issues so we wanted to we wanted to and we thought it would be a fun you know and just make fun of everybody uh including ourselves um during this episode so. so we'll go ahead and start with marriage advice um no are, are we no we should um <laughs> i think i think we should just roll with it and then if he freaking comes in let's just let's go yeah so the first I, the first topic that i wanted to start with was just because i want to hear dan run his mouth was uh why turkey hunting is better than deer hunting um <laughs> but we'll save that for when nine fingers hits hits uh hits join on the meeting so turkey hunting Andrew, is objectively more fun than deer hunting without a doubt man yeah. now i need dan without here because i think i i think i would go the other way but <laughs> it's just, that's just because you don't know what you're talking about it's okay it's because i've never you know, seen I, a turkey see, there woods. we go this is going to be a great episode i i you know in in his defense tony i have yet to to get andrew on um like a really good me and paul like take, turkey me and paul take really nice romantic walks through the woods that last about five Find hours it gets hot hands and swapping mouth calls Find and- Finding mushrooms, picking ticks out of <laughs> off each other, it's great. So, uh, I, I think you've been. I think you. What's that? Put a little flower behind his ear. <laughs> One of those little bluebells, right? It's really decorated up nice. Oh man, dude, what? I I don't even know. Like, I think that the easiest one, and I really, I really know that this will get Dan all cranked up. Like the easiest one in the white recording world. in progress. Sorry, did you did you hit record earlier? Did we? Yeah, I start before we Dan was talking about Dan coming on. Oh, okay. Um, it's like crossbows versus like compound bows, and then you throw in the uh, like the trad bow guys because they're just like, well, you all suck. Hunt deer with with sinew and and stripped wood and leather. Yeah. So like. What, like what what is your take on the on on the the crossbow versus like compound bows in states where it's obviously legal for anyone to hunt with a compound bow you know when when this started burning really hot the crossbow push i was working for bow hunter magazine and bow hunter is like was not into crossbows right like that was that was like the last holdout for not supporting it not taking ad dollars from the crossbow companies and so, you know, I was pretty firmly ensconced in the no crossbow side of things. And what happened is I started hunting a bunch of different states that allow crossbows. And I was like, oh, this isn't really, it doesn't really feel different to me. Like, I, I feel like I got real worked up over something that didn't matter that much. You know, and I know people will say, you know, that, that some of the harvest has changed and it's, it's you know, it's changed the game some. And I know, I, I mean, I've seen that in the county that I hunted in Wisconsin, 
the crossbow buck harvest is really high, like way higher than it was uh, when it was just vertical bows. But I still don't really care anymore. <laughs> like I just, I kind of, lo- I feel like crossbows versus compounds versus traditional bows. I, I kind of feel the same way as like the CWD fight and some of this stuff where I'm like, I'm kind of just burned out, want to do my own thing. Like I don't, I don't want to devote a bunch of my, you know, like, emotion and and thought process to this thing when it it doesn't really seem to affect me that much and you know i mean i think the thing with crossbows that maybe pisses people off more than anything is if you you hear a lot of people who go to the crossbow and say it's exactly the same as a compound the performance is the same or a compound bow can actually shoot farther and it's like have you shot them like shooting across my little girls can shoot a crossbow lights out like we just need to be honest about that you know there's a reason i've I've bow hunted with recurves i've killed deer with traditional bows there's a reason i shoot compound it's easier i enjoy it more i like the feeling of knowing like i can get real dialed in and when i go out there if that deer's at a certain range like he's probably toast like i never felt that with a trad bow no matter how much i shot no matter how much i killed i was still like uh, just just didn't it wasn't my thing but I look at that and I go those guys look at me the way I looked at the crossbow crowd and it doesn't really matter like it's kind of just our yeah. personal hang-ups you know so I don't I'm I think I'm just mellowing out in my old age maybe so Tony you, I, you mentioned though like that the harvest there's been a lot more bucks with taken with the crossbow numbers you know what I'm trying to say um but does that really affect you as a hunter i mean do you have less do you go out and you're like oh yeah there's less bucks in the woods today than there was five years ago or 10 years ago because there's never i mean coming from ohio's perspective what we hear from the biology side of things is that we just have a boatload of deer like that i don't see crossbows going away in ohio anytime soon until they get that population in check or you know something happens but to me, and I, I think I've seen more deer, more bucks in Ohio the last couple of years than, than ever before, but I've probably grown a lot as a hunter as well. So I'm not going to like pinpoint it on, you know, one thing or another, but I just don't see it as, as a major, uh, it's a tool in the population control and management, but it's not, you know, doesn't seem to be the end all be all. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I don't, I, I think we love to complain and I think we love excuses for not being successful. And, you know, the more you travel and the more you hunt, hunt different species and different things and, you know, public land elk and, you know, big woods, whitetails or whatever, the more that like, at least me, the more I realize it's just mostly on me, right? Like there's, there's things that happen where somebody might walk in on you or you have a pack of wolves come through. That's like, all right, well, things are different now, but, it's still like just up to me to figure it out. And so I look at this stuff and I go, as long as it's not like just tearing down the resource, like as long as it's not an advantage, you know, people, people argue this all the time, like cell cameras, right? Like, Oh, that's like, that's too far. Okay. Whatever. Like maybe, maybe not. I don't know. That's, that's a personal opinion, but is it really changing the resource? Are we killing just way too many bucks? Cause we have cell cameras. I would argue that no, like no way. And so I look at it and go, whatever, man, like, if people have fun using it and if people want to use a crossbow, like, I don't really care. You know, if we were, if we had a situation where you were like, man, they legalized crossbows and now we're seeing, you know, like broadly seeing like 
40% of the deer we used to see and we can't attribute it to a bad winter or something else, then I go, well, maybe like if it's a resource thing, you know, maybe you should look at it, but we don't ever see that. You know what I mean? This stuff comes in and it just sort of normalizes and the kill doesn't usually seem to change a whole lot. And you go, all right, so now it's back on your shoulders. Like this new thing's here, whatever. What are you going to do to kill your buck? You know? Well, and Tony, you're a runner, right? So the first time you went to run, and then I'm sure it was many, many years ago, you didn't go out and run a marathon, right? You started with a mile, two miles, and you built up. So, so this idea that, you know, crossbows uh, are the same, you know, it, I guess what I'm getting at is, is maybe starting with a crossbow isn't a terrible idea. Um, and I'll give you my two cents on that in a second, but then moving up to compound. And after you hit that threshold of the, you know, the move on to the trad bow, because it's like another challenge in the whole process. And for me personally, is I went through a period where I had a compound and I learned real hard that, you know, certain things have to be perfect and all that. I learned the hard way on, on just in general and hunting deer that way. Eventually I went to a crossbow cause I was like, okay, we got to like refocus, recenter, get back to the basics, make sure everything's ethical. Let's, you know, do this for a couple of years after I, I, I don't want to say perfected it, but I never lost a deer on the crossbow. So I was like, okay, what's the next challenge, right? I, I got past that one mile. Let's go to two. Let's go to a half marathon before we go to the full marathon. And, and I know that's how I grew as a hunter and everybody's story is different, but get the hell off everybody's back, right? If it's legal and that's what works for you and you know, you're able to do what you're trying to do, let it be. Right. Well, dude, that's such a good point. And I mean, we, we have a really hard time putting ourselves in other people's shoes and you know, the crowd that you guys talk to and who's listening to your show and the people who kind of pay attention to my stuff, they're probably not what you would consider your typical hunter, right? Like they're not the person who just only, you know, went to the deer shack with a rifle to hunt for a couple of days with their grandpa and their uncles or whatever. Like they're the people who are kind of like, this is tied up into their identity a little bit, right? right? Like they're, they're looking to be better and like challenge themselves. A lot of hunters are like, I don't want to work that hard. This is like, this is my like pastime, my relaxing time. I want to go out and you know, like they kind of want it easy. I mean, you see this in a lot of places and it, we, we get real judgy on that, but I don't think we should. Like it's not every, you know, like not everybody who's a golfer wants to go to the top, right? Like you just, sometimes you just like to go out on a Saturday and hit some balls around, right? Like we, but we look at it and go, well, I'm, you know, I'm this badass hunter and I, I live for it and I winter scout and I do all this stuff and my Instagram's full of this crap. And it's like, this is the way to do it. And it's like, man, is it like, it's not for everybody in it. I'll, I'll give you an example on that. Cause I think you made such a good point. So my two daughters, my twin daughters are both have both hunted just with a crossbow there. They'll be 12 in December. So they'll be legal age to bow hunt in Minnesota. We had, we just legalized crossbows, but they, they started out on crossbows and my one daughter has been bugging me to shoot a vertical bow. So I set one up for her. And she goes out and shoots every day now. And it's at like 17 pounds, right? But she's like, she's like, I love this. Like she just, it's, she's just drawn to it. And she's like, I can't wait till I can pull enough to hunt with this. My other daughter will probably never pick up a vertical ball. No, I, I don't think there'll be interest there. It's like, I don't know, man. Like it, they weren't, they're not subjected to all the, the, the BS and the fights online and stuff that we have. And like this history of like, 
kind of gatekeeping our our you know my way of things and not letting you in they're they're going into sixth grade man they don't know any of that stuff one is just like i want to try this challenging thing and one is like nope i want to put those crosshairs on them and dump them and that's just the way it is that's great that's great so one of the one of the questions uh so back up here we we did an interview with uh with with ed ashby almost two years ago at this point and one of the things that he brought up during the talk, Tony, was wounding rate of, of deer. And so some of the estimates of wounding rates of, of deer in this country are 60% of the total harvest. And that's just estimates. And, and you know, that's that's hard to hard to quantify. And so out of that, like the way that I think of it, okay, there are a lot of people that probably shouldn't be hunting with a compound bow if you can't. You know, if you don't have the time to practice, if you don't have the time to, you know, to dedicate to that craft of being lethal with that, with that weapon, and there are other legal means, like, I don't see anything wrong with that. If it makes someone more deadly, you know, in the woods, like, why would, why would we you know, shit on someone for, you know, to, you know, being more effective? And, and like you said, I've got friends that, man, they, they like to go out, they like to deer hunt, maybe just shotgun or, you know, bow hunt a couple of times. They're not. They're not slinging arrows from a from a compound bow. It's all crossbow, and I I I I have no problem with that. And I don't know, man. There's a very um, and Dan and I talked a lot about this actually during a turkey hunting podcast, which was weird. But there's a very like elitist mentality that is around whitetail hunting, and I'm sure it's in the elk community. It's definitely in the turkey community. Um, I feel like it's probably most prevalent in the in the uh in the whitetail community and a lot of that like i put i view it as passion right if people are passionate about something they care about it they're willing to defend it um to the death you know (laughs) maybe with you know with blinders on whatever it may be so i i take a lot of the things that people say i just take it as, as you're passionate about it but you know when when people are i mean just like just dumping on people online in person Oh, you're shooting a rage. Oh, you're shooting a heavy arrow. Oh, you're shooting, you're hunting out of a climber. You're hunting out of a saddle. Like, dude, just relax, man. You've already commented on that a couple of times. But so like this elitist mentality that's in the whitetail community with, a, it's a lot of guys. Maybe it's just guys that are more on online. But I mean, do you see that like in just in your circles of people that are just, just regular hunters, man? Are you running into that elitist mentality? Sorry, that was a long-winded question for that all the time i i would question i wonder where that 60 percent back to what ashby said i wonder where that 60 percent wounding rate comes from uh yeah. that seems think, really high to me was it yeah, was that I think, the camp ripley studies do you know do you remember yeah i think yeah i think it was it was more it was so when i dug into it and this is two years i'm trying to remember it was um a lot of it came from like an anti not necessarily an anti-hunting organization but, but an organization that was um not necessarily friendly to hunting. And so they did, they did hunter surveys. They had taken like state data um, that was available and I'm not sure how old this data is. So dude, we know how the internet is. Someone's going to be like, Paul Campbell lied about, you know, wounding rates. I don't know. That's the, that was just the number um, that, that he threw out. And and I did see some studies that said that it was close to that 60% number at that particular time. So the, I'm, I might so, be way off base here, but I know a lot of when you hear that, it comes from 
the Fort Ripley hunts here in Minnesota. And some of that data is from like 1991. They did, yeah. they've been trotting that same study out for a long, long time. And it, maybe he was referring to something different. I don't know, but I know that a, when you hear a wounding loss study, a lot of times it came from there and it's so outdated. Yeah. Now. And I just, I, I'm just curious. I don't, I don't believe that. And I don't, if that's where that came from, I don't think that's very responsible to be yeah. out there still talking about it. Like I, so I we'll think go, we just don't know. Yeah. Let's just go off of my wounding rate last year, 25%. I hit four deer recovered three. Andrew, you're probably 25%. Something like that. Lost one. No. So, I mean, I guess the, the, yeah, if it is, I, you know, like I said, man, I don't know the, the numbers that did seem really high. Um, I mean, you can't you know, get into, you know, I know that people think that there should be like a proficiency test for this. Like if you do a city hunt somewhere, you know, you might have to hit a paper plate at 20 yards three times mm-hmm. or something, but I don't know. You just, you can't get into that. Like you, we just, you just have to spread the message that you should take this stuff seriously and yeah. at least be able to hit something. And even then, I mean, I had this conversation today with one of the other meat eater guys, like we have some people on staff who are like really into the archery thing right now and the heavy arrows and shooting long range and like, you know, shooting twice a day all that stuff and then they're going out missing shots that they should be able to make because there's no substitute for experience in the moment of truth like and so even though even you could sit back and shoot three inch groups at 60 yards you might lose your mind on a two and a half year old whitetail at 20 you know or a bull elk that walks in or whatever so it's like a i don't know it's sort of like navel gazing to me like whatever like this, this it just is what it is. I just don't think throwing around wounding loss numbers like that is like a great idea because I doubt we really have good information to back accurate it. data. Yeah. yeah, Paul, mine was thirty three percent last year. I just thirty three. Okay, that's so, neither here nor there. I just want to make sure. I yeah. So the and and thanks for thanks for for addressing that. Um, that let's go let's go back to that that elitist mentality that i i saw i saw a tiktok video of a guy that was and i don't know who he was um he was saying that there's no reason that kids should be allowed to shoot 180 inch deer uh because they haven't earned it like it like it was just like it's unex an unacceptable practice and parents should be embarrassed sorry did i freeze up you're good oh, you're good yeah. Okay. It says it's unstable. So, so like I hear stuff like that. And then my mind, I'm like, dude, I hope Milo Hansen's like world record is dropped by like a 13 year old girl with a crossbow. Like that's what, that's what I, that's what I want to see happen. Just to, just to watch the Paul, you're burn, like that, burn. that, that Elmo gif where he's like burning yeah. and the flames are in the back. Oh, yeah. That's Paul. Yeah. Yeah. I, but, man. I think, I think saying stuff like that, I mean, I don't know. Some people probably believe that. I'm like, I don't know if that's just attention seeking behavior or maybe he wasn't loved enough as a child or something, but it's like, what are you going to do, man? I, I, I hate the idea, you know, cause if, if you were to allow somebody else to say 
your kids can only hunt at a certain age, that guy probably loses his mind, right? Like, he, like yeah. don't you tell me when I can do with my kids, right? But then you're going to be there and like a kid didn't earn that. I'll tell you what, if like that's the, if that's like the litmus test for that dude, then 93% of the bucks he's watched get killed on Sportsman's Channel, those guys didn't earn them. Somebody else did all the work, like, so where do you draw the line? Or like, do you take the average dude who saves up for that Canadian hunt and goes up there, does no work and sits over a bait pile and shoots a giant? Like, did he earn it? Like, where do you draw that line? Like, it's, you're taking it, you're taking yourself a little too seriously, man. Like, let the kids, yeah. who cares? Like, who cares? Yeah. Man, I'm pulling, pulling for that record to come down. I want to see a kid with a crossbow break that record, man. That's what, that's what I want to see. Let so it burn, baby. Yeah. All right, Tony, heavy heavy arrows versus light arrows. That we know is recently has been a major controversial topic. And of course, like I think we're all agreeing, do your thing, whatever. But um, I'm just curious, what do you shoot as far as an arrow weight and and uh, grains? You know, also? I have. I I've always leaned a little heavy just, just cause I'm, I'm not buying into the, you know, the super heavy argument. I mean, we, so much of this stuff, like we already went through, you know, like we've, we've been through this in the hunting industry before 30 years ago, people were going nuts over this stuff and adding weight to their, you know, aluminum arrows. And, you know, we're shooting primarily shooting deer. You know, they're like 16 inches wide. We have crazy efficient, like a big deer would be 16 inches wide. We have crazy efficient bows now and crossbows and whatever. I think it's not that. I think we're, we look at that as like something where we're like, ah, oh, this is something I can kind of get passionate behind. And like, this is going to take me to the next level. And I go, you know, there's trade-offs for everything, right? Like if, if you're going to go super duper heavy, yeah, you could hit a shoulder and blow right through it right? You could do that with not that heavy bows or that heavy arrows too, but you're going to have wider pin gaps, you know, like you're going to have like that deer might be able to get out of the way a little quicker because your, your whole system is going to be moving a little slower. Like there's always trade-offs to this stuff. So what you're saying is like, I'm going to be able to blow through both shoulders, no problem. And it's like, okay in some scenarios yes in some scenarios that might convince people they can take that hard quarter two shot just buried into the shoulder and it's like there's not a guarantee you're going to get through there like i think it's i think it's way better to shoot a reasonable weight you know 450 grains 500 grains is like a total for a total arrow setup is like at least for me and all the bows i've tested like a pretty sweet spot where you know if i'm shooting multi-pins i a sight i don't have like huge pin gaps I don't have a ton of drop, still pretty quiet, plenty of kinetic energy there. And I just think it's like not nearly as important as, you know, like there, there are people out there saying like, this is like the end of the, this, we got to do this. This is the way to do it. And they're acting like this is new information. It's like traditional bow hunters have been doing this since they've been making traditional bows. Like we've, we've known this, it, but it's also not that necessary. You know, if you're going elk hunting or something, yeah, different story. So would you consider it a fad if it's something that was here 30 years ago and it's come back around? I mean, I think you could call it a fad. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a, I think it's a good thing that people are thinking about their arrow weights and their setups. Like I actually like that. Cause I think for a long time, we just, you know, in like 2007, 2008, we went all speed. Right. And it was like the X-Force came on, everybody was chasing that bow. And it's like, we got to get, 
three, I'm getting 340 out of my setup. And it's like, yeah, a lot of people are doing that by knocking their arrow, their total air weights down to like 350 grains. And it's like, that's too far one way. And now we're like, I want 700 grain set up so I can blow through a Cape Buffalo or a Forky in Wisconsin. And I was like, nah, like, let's just find the middle ground. We know what works. And it's, you know, we, we, like, we just talked about wounding loss rates, man. I, I feel like I'm at a stage in my bow hunting career where my goal is like, take only shots where you're like that sucker's toast. Like when you draw that bow, like I want those deer to be in a situation where I'm like, there's like, not, I don't have a question in my mind. Like I still screw up. Right. But if you, if you kind of adopt that mentality where you're like, I'm not going to push it. I'm going to just like set up. So I really get that 20 yard quarter to way type shot that 15 yard shot and you do your job. Like it doesn't matter, man. Like if you have that part down, which is what people should be working on, then you're freaking golden. So I know Dr. Ashby put has like the 650 grain is his heavy bone threshold. I can't remember what the exact claim is, but basically it'll get through every heavy bone and North American animals. Um, I shouldn't, I shouldn't repeat that, but that is, it's along those lines. Right. So yep. is, on, on the other side, is there, is there a minimum? I'm not sure I've ever heard that number of, of weight that can be used in a bow. And I always try to like, I think about this in my mind, like, yes, you can kill a deer with a 22 rifle, right? It's probably not the best idea, but it's possible uh, if you put it in the right place. So on the, so on the flip side of the heavy side, you know, 900 grains. Yeah, that'll kill whitetail, but so will 550 or 500, 450, whatever. But what about on the other end of the spectrum, as far as being too light, is there, is there that end of the the deal well for sure and, and i don't i don't really see that we we saw that for a while with the speedboat craze i don't i don't think that's really that much of an issue anymore but it's really i mean it's such an individual thing right so i'm six two i draw 29 inches so my arrows just naturally even if i shoot a light arrow and a hundred grain head i'm still going to get into a range of you know upper 400s which is plenty, right? But if I was 5'5 five, five and my draw length was 26 inches, I would think about it totally different. You do a different setup. They're just like with my kids, you think about it totally different. So now you're, you're thinking a little bit different about broadheads. You're thinking a little bit different about the shots you should take or you could make. And so, yeah, it's, it's all, it's pretty subjective to the individual. And, you know, saying like 650 grains or whatever the number is, it's like the big bone, whatever it can handle it. Like that's irrelevant to 97% of whitetail hunters. Doesn't matter. They're never going to do it. Probably unnecessary, probably unnecessary for most elk hunters, to be honest with you. And just kind of like something to talk about that really doesn't matter that much. And I think I dove heavy into... Uh, pun intended heavy into the heavy arrows um what a couple three years ago and i'll tell you what man i i think i ended up shooting i was at like 690 grains i had never never even thought about this and this is part of the reason i went from a vertical bow to a crossbow back to the compound is i hadn't ever really taken into it so you said that earlier like it's getting people to think about it that's absolutely 100 percent true and i i think it's a wonderful thing than just give me that box of arrows on the shelf you know whatever and cut them at this length um but I will say, man, 
Would you get a very heavy arrow that's way overkill for that animal? Man, it zips right through. Like, I've never seen... I didn't know I hit the damn deer because it was just like... Just, there was no whack, no nothing. And, and it worked out really well. So, for me, that works for me. If shooting a 350 grain arrow and a 85 grain, you know, mechanical or whatever works for you and you're that good, go do it. I don't care. Just as long as it's ethical and you're getting the job done and whatever and if if someday this doesn't work for me then maybe i'll adjust the setup or change my arrows or whatever has to happen but again it's one of those things that people just get love to get all bent out of shape about they do i i will say this i mean if you if you put a gun to my head and you're like would you air lighter or heavier i would say heavier for everyone you know so and it and you brought up something there that's a good point like just going to grab arrows off the shelf you know a dozen arrows or whatever I've, I've been in hunting camps with people who had no idea what the spine of their arrow meant, what the weight of their arrows was. Yeah. And so even though I'm like, you don't have to shoot 700 grain arrows, to kill whitetails, the, the idea of knowing what you're doing, knowing what you have. So let's say you do go out there and, you know, you hit a deer in the ribs and you don't get a pass through. Think about it. Why? What happened? Did you, did you have... You know, did you have a broadhead issue? You know, if you didn't hit that shoulder and you can't get all the way through a whitetail, you know, unless you're a kid shooting 40 pounds or whatever, even then, you know, like, so that that's what, that's where that would come in. It's like, if you don't really care about this, that's fine. You can get away with a lot of stuff, but pay attention to what happens when you shoot animals, you know, like yeah. if you, if you're shoot, if you're blowing through them, great, you know, and you're, and you're those heavy arrows have your bow quieted down and they're pretty easy to tune and pretty, there's like, there's, there's nice aspects of it. Or if you're like, man, I, I'm having a tuning nightmare or I'm not, I'm not getting the penetration on deer size animals I want. You should address that. Like if the results are good, freaking you're fine. But if they're not, think about it. Yeah. I think it's, I think that conversation with, you know, with Troy Fowler and John Dudley and Tim Gillingham and, and, you know, that broader conversation, I mean, it definitely brought me into the, the, the idea of like, well, maybe I should care because I was that guy. If you five years ago, you said, what, what grain arrow are you shooting or what spine? I, I, I had no idea what you were talking about. None. And so it's made me a better bow hunter for sure. Just caring about it and really starting to dial in and focus. So you know, I think good things have come of it. So um, well, when, you, when you bring up those guys, this is, this is what people, I think people understand, but don't really get. So you talk at like Dudley, right? You know, everybody knows there are very few people on the planet who can shoot like him. I mean, very, like he's, he's breathing some rarefied air. Gillingham, same best. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys aren't there. They don't have a major concern with making a good shot. They're beyond that. Most most bow hunters are not. Most bow hunters are not at a stage where it's like almost a foregone conclusion that their form's going to be perfect and they're going to put that pin right where it needs to go and their release is going to be just like it's been for the last million times. And so those guys, they they have the luxury of thinking way beyond this stuff. And it's their job and whatever, you know, but like they already have that part dialed. Most people don't. So if you have somebody who's killed three deer and they're like, I'm all in on heavy arrows and I'm doing this and that, I'm like, that's great. Think about it, tinker with it, whatever. But like, you know, maybe kill some does, like maybe, maybe get out and hunt some stuff first and learn whether you're like, whether you can do your job as well. Cause that part, you know, that part's 
way important. For sure. All right. So Tony, I'm going to ask you a question. I want complete and utter honesty from you. Uh-oh, okay. here we go. Do you think I've been lying the, to you? The, the listeners, the listeners, America deserves your honesty. When you walk up to Dan Johnson and you shake his hand every time, do you look down at the, the missing finger? Because I do. Every, every time. I'm always like in my head, I'm like, who let this freak out of the circus? What's going on here, man? <laughs> like the first time I walk up to him, we met, uh, we knew we knew each other for like over a year. And then we finally met at ATA and I walk up and Dan and I are like, we're, we're, we're the same size. And like, I shake his hand and I look down at it and I look at him. I'm like, sorry, <laughs> I didn't. I... <laughs> but it was like, that, like I've never like met that. a mutant before. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> and I'm sitting Every there and I'm like, looking up the whole time because i didn't realize he, he's a freaking giant <laughs> but um oh man every time i'm glad thank you thank you for your honesty dan we, we got to pick on dan the rest of this episode because he's freaking 45 minutes late he is and is i it, knew he, he's easy to get wound up about stuff so you know what he'll tell us it was one of his kids that was yelling in Probably. the background so like one you know, of his dan, nine kids that he's got you made choices so um so. real quick paul can i uh, can we go back to some of this arrow stuff real quick no, arrows are boring. Let's talk about turkeys. No, we're not doing we're not doing turkeys. It's wrong season. Um, okay, t- Tony. So we we talked about the heavy arrows, but fixed versus mechanical. I'm just curious. So, I mean, like, what do you shoot? Uh, I are shoot you, both. Both. I'm not. I'm not married to either one anymore. I I used to be real into fixed blade broadheads, and if I go if like if I'm going elk hunting my quiver is going to be full of fixed blade broadheads. Like that's just the way it is. White tails. I, th- I think 15 years ago, there used to be a pretty big gap between the quality of the fixed blade heads you could get and the, the quality and function of a mechanical heads on the market. I feel like that has narrowed a lot. And now I don't have any problem shooting a white tail or a lot of critters with a mechanical head. What bright heads are you shooting, if you don't mind telling us? Um, well, I shoot Rage for a lot of stuff, just cause. I mean, I I will say this: I I don't shoot, and I know people are going to disagree with me on this. I I won't shoot a mechanical broadhead that opens from the front. If it has that jackknife design, I've had just bad experiences, <laughs> and you know the way the raids they, they slip open, and it, they don't pay me. I don't care if you buy them or not, like whatever i just that design makes more sense to me and has like worked better for me in the field now i've shot more stuff with them than i have those other styles but i just for whatever reason my personal experience didn't work well with those other styles so i will shoot like a rage i'll shoot a a g5 striker you know that's not a that's a fixed blade head super sharp um there's a few one piece broadheads out there you know i I'll shoot an iron will. I mean, they're freaking gnarly, but they're, you know, you got to take out a, a HELOC to buy a three pack. You know? right. They're not cheap, but they, they really function well. That's a, that's like a really quality product. They so. do. And I'm so back to the, like when tinkering with your arrows and learning about your arrows and your, um, you know, first, and then to the fixed blade mechanical thing, 
when I was an idiot and I was new in this and I didn't know anything, you know, all I ever heard was uh, fixed blades are st- too hard to tune and mechanicals just fly like field points and that's what you want to go with and all, you know, all the stuff that they had for it. I had trouble with mechanicals. Now, in the long run, I have killed deer with mechanicals, but I tend to really feel comfortable and confident with the uh, fixed blades as long as they're sharp and, and ready to go. Um, so I, again, I think it's you know back to the thing, just whatever you're comfortable with and ethical and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I will second your uh, comment there on the iron wheels or all your comments about the iron wheels. Those things are nasty, but they are not cheap. No, they're they're That's a good product. Um, that's, you make a good point there. The, the idea that mechanical broadheads just universally fly like field points is bananas. Like we need to stop. I, and I think that that message that for a while, that was like real prevalent, right? Like that was like, this is a fix. Like I can buy this and I don't have to practice with them. I can just go out and shoot them. And it's like, you're changing the front of that arrow man like it's it's there's like no guarantees in that stuff just like you said we're like oh you can't get fixed blades to fly like well if you have a tuned bow you sure can like you sure can and so it's like there the the biggest question for most people should be what can i get to fly really well you know like it doesn't if it if it goes where you you're supposed to have it go then it doesn't matter if it's a rage or iron will or what it's going to do its job but if you screw in a broadhead and it's going to corkscrew or take your point of impact off by six inches then you're in freaking trouble and it and we you know like you want to talk about wounding loss rates like i would say that's probably one of the biggest problems bow hunters have is they're not going to match broadheads to their arrows like they're just not going to do it and so you're just taking a huge risk by just screwing a broadhead in and going hunting. Yeah. For sure. And Dan's not here to endorse his wasp folk, so we can just let that go. Um, because I think he would have his obtuseance on that. The bash on Dan. Well, then I guess he should have been an adult and showed up for this. Or at least yeah. answered one of our phone calls. I wish I'm he the only one that didn't call him. <laughs> I'm going to title this Watch show. Answer. Dan Johnson must listen. <laughs> uh what else so i actually do i do want to talk about turkeys but not in the sense that we're talking about turkeys we're going to talk about don't roll your eyes at me months um so tony back in the spring did a podcast interview and the it was for the okayest hunter podcast and they asked me about like uh like shooting jakes and so there's there's a big it's a very divisive issue within within the turkey hunting community and i do see both sides of it but if you if you listen to like uh to the biologists like the people that actually know what the hell they're talking about because a lot of them do a really good job of taking like emotion out of something that we have a lot of passion uh for and so my statement was you know if so my statement was that it basically like like Breeding in the turkey season, ninety. This is science, right? Ninety-nine percent of the breeding is done by mature adult male turkeys, and so 
if you're if you're looking at it, you know, a lot of the the responses like, well, you're you're destroying the future of the flock. You're you know biologically, and 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 so anytime we shoot a turkey, yes, we're we're taking a turkey out of landscape. But my thing was, if you're if you shoot a Jake, you know, there's there's and, and this is where I messed up. I said there's zero percent chance that that thing's taking, you know, that 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 turkey is breeding. Well, it's less than one percent. Shame on me, right? And I was like, so, you know, it, when you talk about like interrupting the breeding cycle and all this stuff, like if you shoot a Jake, like you, you, you know, at that moment, you're probably doing less damage, you know, interference than if you're pounding, you know, full, full grown turkeys. Sorry, I unplugged my headphones. And so that was the, that was the statement, right? Yep. And I took a cheap shot at people for reaping, which whatever, I'll always do that. Um, <laughs> Dude, I got literal death threats online from people. Death threats. Well, like, your, your endorsement of shooting Jake's? No, yeah. Like if and, and that's why I was like, dude, if you you know, don't don't feel I was like, don't it was basically like don't take and the broader conversation was you know, like don't let people like influence you. You're you're not doing anything at that moment that's that's it's not damaging the flock any more than you're taking a mature tom. You know, like humans, we're the number one predator of mature adult males, like of adult male turkeys. We're the number one predators, nothing else. And so that was my point. Like, don't let that, you know, if that's your only moment, you know, is your only chance is to shoot a Jake. If it's a kid, if it's a woman, if it's a full grown man, I don't care if it's legal in your state. Don't let that come in. You know, it's your hunt, man. Like, enjoy it. And uh, people, people were fired up, dude, fired up, like literal death threats in 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 the inbox which well, i mean biologically you're right like i mean one of the things that they're really worried about with turkeys right now is you shoot the dominant tom it's not like the next dude in line just lines up and starts breeding they exactly. have to figure out the yep. whole hierarchy again and that's that's why these biologists are so worried about the quality of some of our decoys and how efficient we've got at killing big toms so really if you if you like want to be a if you want to be like a steward of the flock, you're going to shoot short beards all day long. Yeah. Also, we should not be we should not be bringing trophy hunting into the turkey world. It doesn't like hundred percent. I'm. This is going to make me sound like a total prick, but I'm going to say it anyway. Turkey hunting's not that hard. Even even like public land turkey hunting in a lot of places is not like people who I'm hang offended. their identity on that. And they're like, this is like you know, like I'm like really special because I'm killing a lot of turkeys. I'm like, that's great. But that's kind like, to me, that's kind of like, I'm really good at catching sunfish. Like, great. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's great. You know, good for you. But it's, you know, it's not, it's not that hard. Like we don't need to bring this quality deer management stuff over to the turkey world. Like it's, it's yeah. supposed to be fun. Totally. And listen, I'm on your side. I'll shoot a freaking Jake. Yeah. The, yeah you just do not want to be a jake that walks in front of my blind let me put it that way yeah it, but you know it was it was it was funny because that was you know like the broader conversation was like defending people choosing to to hunt the way that they want you know that that not all of us get to go out there and chase everything and you know 50 times a year turkey hunt yeah i i turkey hunted from march 10th until freaking memorial day you know and and so I'm, I was very fortunate. If I got three days to to bang it out in the woods, man, turkey hunt, you, you turkey's gobbling, I'm shooting them. 
you know? And, and so like, I, I just, that, that, that broader conversation of like, you know, if it's, if it's your hunt, it's legal, you know, if it is, even though things are legal, maybe they're not necessarily ethical. And that's a, that's a conversation that's the, and that's the moral, I guess, where I wanted to go with this. Like if, you know, if, if something is legal in a particular state, whether it be, you know, decoys or reaping or, a, you know, a method of deer hunting or whatever, um, like, like how much, how much policing of, of ourselves do you think hunters should have in terms of like, you know, just doing the right thing? Is there a right way to do things in the woods? And I, I, again, I just go back to it. How is it affecting the resource? Like if the biologists are like, we can't, we got to stop reaping turkeys because you're killing too many of them this way. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, like if we got to stop hunting April 10th with, you know, because we're killing too many of them and it's just not working, we're not pulling off the, the hatches we need or whatever. Great. Fine. But if it's just like, I don't like it because that guy does it differently than me. I don't know, man. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't like that stuff. And I'm, I'll tell you what I'm on any issue in the outdoors. The thing that scares me the most that gets me the most worked up is when we lose like something gets taken away because people are bitching and i because i look at that and i go you're not getting that back so we just had this issue in in kansas with trail cameras on public land they said there's too many hunter conflicts with people running trail cameras on public land so they're done can't run a trail camera on public land anymore and you see all these people come out and defend it and go doesn't affect me i don't care like good i'm glad they got rid of it and I'm like, well, yeah, but there's people out there that like, that's like an important part of their hunt. It wasn't because they were killing too many big bucks and the resource was suffering and that's never going to come back. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, so it didn't affect you. You don't care. It's gone. Great. Now, what about something that you care about? You know, like you, you hear people just in Kansas, for example, I've seen people write this, like, I, you know, I hunt private land. It doesn't affect me at all. And like, you know, people will say like, well, it's not fair. We need to get the technology out of the woods anyway. And I'm like, you're in Kansas sitting over a corn pile on private land, probably with a cell camera over it. Like if we're going to talk about like, who's, who's like got the moral high ground here, like it gets muddy in a hurry. And yeah. as long as it didn't affect you, you don't care. But what if it comes after you? Like, what if, what if now somebody else is like, we should not be shooting deer over corn piles. That is not fair chase. And you don't have those people to defend you because they hunt public land and they can't do it. It's a slippery slope when we lose stuff. And I just, I think we just have to be really careful about that. Even if we disagree with it, or even if it's like not really our thing, like if it's not, if it's not a resource issue, I, then I get real nervous about it. If it's just, I, 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 like I mentioned, you mentioned, we, we bring, we hunters, we bring emotion into this so fast and it's a lot of it's rooted in, I, like I said, I think it's, it's rooted in passion, but I think a lot of it is, is misguided and it's, well, it's different than what I do. So uh, naturally you're my enemy and I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to hate on you. That's a, it is man. That's a, that's a slippery slope. And that's a definitely a broader, I think societal topic and issue. You know. I, Tony, I, I agree with you, and, and especially when you're talking about other states, it's easy for all, us in Ohio. Okay, we can bait. We got trail cameras. We got crossbows. We got a pretty long season. Um, we don't have, you know, 
bait baiting hasn't been outlawed. Trail cameras haven't been outlawed. We don't have antler point restrictions. We've got all this stuff. So from Ohio, we can sit here and be like, oh, we got all this stuff. You know, we're we're good. We don't have to worry about it. But look at any issue that is a state issue. Eventually, the dominoes start falling, and the next thing you know, we're sitting here and and we've got a whole you know different set of rules we're following by. It's not how you know what we were what we had signed up for originally. But well, and that's we get real confident in our positions like that right like things aren't going to change and it it's easy you know you see this with the resident non-resident fights all the time you see it out west a lot right like it's easy to sit there and go i want mine and i will screw somebody over all day long to get something easier for myself because they think it's never coming for them and it like i think a lot of these hunters out west are in for a rude awakening here in the next 10 15 years with the influx of people into their states and this just this like vehement like non-resident hate like you you start cutting off people who are going to come there and to spend money and who are going to fund your game and fish way more than you are eventually something's going to crack and you get you're getting a bunch of people who are not native to your state moving in and they vote and they pay taxes all of a sudden you're going to find yourself like a, in a real minority where you might be in a state where hunting and fishing was a way of life for decades. And now that stuff's changing. And I, like, I always look at this, like with the Rocky mountain elk foundation, I'm like, man, how many elk hunts, you know, I, I'm super lucky. Like I get to travel a lot and hunt a lot. I don't see that many elk hunts left in my future. I don't know if my kids will elk hunt. And it's like, that doesn't make you really want to support that. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel like it doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies to be like, Oh, I'm going to keep supporting the Rocky mountain elk foundation. So a bunch of people who didn't want me to hunt there can have good or better elk hunting, you know? And I know that sounds kind of crappy, but like, that's kind of where we're going with some of this stuff. And it, I think it's like, you know, I, I was talking to Clay Newcomb about this last month. We were in, we were in Bozeman and, you know, he's a big bear guy. And bears are such a hot topic in so many states, like out on the coast. And you see this in Connecticut right now, like, because they don't have, bear hunters don't have like a big voice. It's not a big segment of our population and they're really anthropomorphized. So people look at bears and they're like, I don't want you to shoot a bear. They're cute. They're funny. They roll around, whatever. And they eat honey and they playing out with piglet and tigger. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they just want to share your picnic basket with you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's like, he's like, you know, real focused on the anti-hunters and the non-hunting crowd taking opportunities away. And I go, yeah, man, if you're, if you're into bears and predators, that's like a real concern. That's like the, the target for that crowd. But I'm like, look how many opportunities hunters have taken away from hunters in the last few years in different states. And we always go, well, it's for the benefit of this group. Well, it's to the detriment of some other group. And eventually like this stuff's going to, it's not going to work out very well for us. And, it, you know, like you mentioned in Ohio, all the things you can do and you get really comfortable there. Right. But there could be demographic changes over time. Like you could lose a certain percentage of hunters. Like you could, you know, urban sprawl, you could see some of that stuff all of a sudden slip away that you've just accepted as like a way of life. Our opener is here and I can use these weapons and I can do this and I can do that. Like none of this stuff set in stone, like we can lose this stuff. And if we're actively like encouraging these opportunities to go away or we're just being passive because they're not our thing, man, I think we're setting ourselves up for a really, really bad future. Yeah. The, the protectionist mentality that, that a lot of States are, are getting 
um, it is, I think it is, it is concerning. Like Kansas just went to a non-resident Turkey tag lottery. Um, you know, like Nebraska, I've heard, I've heard some chatter that, that, that could be a possibility out there. And then, you know, you, you look at a lot of those States out West where, and, and just in the Turkey world, like people that live there don't give a crap about hunting wild turkeys. They don't, they don't care. It is like nobody fifth, cares, sixth, no. seventh down on, you know, on, on the list. So a lot of those non-resident tags are, you know, are funding some of the operations, you know, with, within that. And then, and then down in the Southeast, you know, you know, with, with Turkey populations, there's a very like hateful eye torn, you know, turned towards, you know, out of state tags and Iowa, Ohio, you know, it's just like, I go to my public land spots here in Ohio first week in November. If I see 30 trucks, three of them are from Ohio, you know? Um, I, and you know, I don't know. I there, there's a part of me that you're always like every time you drive by, you're like, "Fucking guy from North Carolina," you know. Like we all do it, right? And then you meet that person, you're like, "Man, eh, this guy's kind of cool. Good luck, man. You know, hope, hope you have a good time." But I don't know that 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 intense protectionist mentality that's that's taking hold, man. It is it is concerning. I think, like you said, for a broader time that you know, but we can't see past our nose, I guess, with anything, let alone something like that. I mean, and it's easy to look at that situation and and that happens in a lot of places, right? And go, this is, this is something I want changed. It's too hard here because of this. And I, I think the, the like prime example of that is always Colorado over the counter elk. Right? Have you guys ever hunted that? No. So that's like, when you hear people complain about pressure, that's, that's like the loudest voice in the room right now. And I look at that and I go, I've hunted out there quite a few times. I've seen so many people at the trailheads. I've had people walk in on my setups, you know, like I've, I've had lots of things happen out there. I've also had a chance to kill an elk every single time I've ever done it. I haven't always killed an elk. I've killed a couple bulls, I shot a cow. Like I've, I've had it go both ways, but I look at it and I go, this is supposed to be the worst or, you know, like it's one of, it's an example of the worst non-resident pressure out there and you have no chance and blah, blah, blah. And it's all ruined and there's people everywhere. And then you go out there and it's like, yeah, you have some stretches of bad days, but man, even in the worst situation, if you're doing your work, you can, you can make something happen. And that, that's what I keep going back to. It's like, yeah, we keep complaining and you might get easier hunting or you could just accept the way it is right now level up a little bit and figure this stuff out and you, you know you talk about like a guy from north carolina maybe someday you want to take your kids down to turkey hunt north carolina or deer hunt or go fish or something yeah and they might say no like you can't yeah. and it, i mean and i know that's like a lot of people can't relate to that because a lot of people don't travel to hunt i just look at it and i go I don't, what are we doing you know yeah. like what are we doing yeah that's absolutely right. i i travel to hunt I mean, I hunt as many states as I can during during the spring every year, and, and I'm going to do it until I, you know. So it is that is a reciprocal, you know. Like I, I, I can't hate on the guys from North Carolina coming to hunt deer if I'm going to go down and you know I'd love to hunt a bear down in North Carolina or turkeys down in North. Carolina. I'd love to do that. I would do that on heartbeat. So it it is, man. It's um, I don't know. Good stuff. Once, what else you got? What else is controversial? Well, in the world? Tony, we won't take any more of your time. Um. But I, I have a list here, right? Like we could have gone more into the trail cameras. 
moon phase, public land versus private land. But I really, the real question to finish this 100th episode off is pontoon boats or bass boats? And since our pontoon boat person isn't here to defend himself, uh, what what do you say, Tony is that Peterson? A question. <laughs> I mean, are, are you seriously asking me whether I prefer bass boats or pontoon boats? Uh, it would have been really fun if Dan was here because he's all about his pontoon boat. But since no, I know since Dan's uh, not responding, does Dan bass fish off this pontoon boat? I can. But I... <laughs> I'm going to make a generalization here. It's like a bit I love the pause. <laughs> If you're passionate about a pontoon boat, you are no threat to public land white <laughs> right now. Shots fired. Oh, and on that note, man, we will call this an episode. Tony, this has been great. We appreciate it. Uh, and we look forward to the next chance. Do you want to tell people what you got going on this fall and what to look forward to? Oh, man. Uh, you know, working for Meat Eater full time. So all of my stuff. You know, filming a bunch of shows for them, uh, filming a bear show with my daughter, which I'm super stoked for. None of this stuff will be out this year, um, of course. But if they want to read my stuff or listen to the Foundations podcast, you know, com, they can find it all. <laughs> it's it's all right there. And there'll be, if, if, if people thought these were like a little bit of controversial topics, I've got some stuff coming out that's going to way piss people off here soon. <laughs> so, oh, man. Can't wait to listen to it. So especially yeah. maybe the Western hunting crowd. Oh, here we go. Get the uh, elk bros all pissed off at you. They're going to come for you. The civil <laughs> civil war that meets at the Mississippi. That's what's going to happen. So, Oh man, Tony, thank you so much, man. This is, I think what our fourth or fifth time having you on, on, on this show, man, we, we, we appreciate your time and, and your knowledge and your efforts and, and uh, thank you, man. Really appreciate yeah. it. Take care. Yeah, thank you guys.